Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi folks, I'm Jeff Bressler, turning on the lights of the Make Believe Ballroom and welcoming you into my crystal studio for another program of the great hits of the 1930s and 1940s. I'm hosting the show to keep the music and traditions of past hosts, Martin Block, Al Jarvis, William B. Williams, and the legendary Steve Allen alive. Whether you're one of my longtime listeners or a new listener on public broadcasting or community radio stations across the U.S., as well as in the U.K., grab your dance ticket, it's free, and let's reminisce. Hello world and from coast to coast on public university and community radio stations, welcome, welcome, welcome one and all to the Make Believe Ballroom. And thanks for joining me this hour as I share some wonderful swing jazz and big band music and many of the stories behind the records and the personalities who recorded them. I hope you and yours are having a great day. Lenny from down the block, as always, loyally manning the switches, as well as tending to his magical music computer that contains over 2,000 tunes from the big band era. Lenny from down the block, the virtuoso of the virtual turntable, sitting in his revolving swirling chair in the record room. Uh, Also today, our one and only member of the studio audience. Many of you know who I'm talking about. That's Norton. Don't call me Ed Norton. My first name is Norton. Uh, Well, he's getting prepared for his uh, annual garage sale. So he was here earlier. Uh, He's not here now, but he might be back shortly to take in the proceedings. Uh, Lenny, what do they say? What's that old uh, adage? Uh, Right, one man's junk is another man's treasure. And in Norton's case, and he believes all the stuff he sells at his annual garage sale is priceless, and if it's priceless, why is he selling it in the first place? Well, that's totally beyond me. Uh, But in his case, 
uh, one man's treasure, that being Norton's possessions, uh, after he sells them, uh, becomes another man's junk when he gets home with Norton's stuff and uh, wonders why he bought it in the first place. So we're waiting to see if uh, Norton comes over to the studio. But we're here for music of the 1930s and 1940s and stories and tales. So let's get things started with a record. Uh, Lenny, my friend, I see you have given me uh, three to choose from to get the show underway. Very generous. Uh, Let me take a look at the list here. Well, I love a good violin. And if you love the violin, you have to love Joe Venuti. And if you love Joe Venuti, uh, you will love my favorite of his. This one really moves on Columbia. Stop, look, and listen. Joe Venuti and his orchestra, vocal by Ruth Lee, recorded on October the 28th, 1935. Rushing headlights, so why take chance with your heart when you dance with someone charming? That's when trouble starts. Music, sweet, she sighs. She lifts her eyes, so he sighs. Then when the music ends, though they started out as strange, act just like old friends. Better stop, look, listen to the teacher, or you'll end by finding a preacher with rhythm. You're taking a chance, there's no danger like the danger of a song and dance. Stop, look, and listen. Joe Venuti and his orchestra. Uh, 
Uh, Lenny, as you may recall, and I've discussed this in the past, uh, Joe Venuti, uh, the violinist and band leader, was a huge practical joker. And uh, I can't leave Joe uh, without telling the great story uh, where he got his hands on the union musicians list and he called every bass player listed in New York City and uh, he asked them to meet him uh, on a street corner in Midtown Manhattan. Now, Joel told each one of these bass players uh, that he had a job for them and it was exclusive. He was just asking that one bass player to appear because he liked his work. So as the story goes, uh, over 50 bass players arrived, not alone, but with their instruments, and I'm sure it gave the beat cop on the scene in Midtown Manhattan a headache as it uh, created, reportedly created, a minor roadblock on the street. Now, Venuti, uh, Joe was prepared to absorb the blow that he knew would certainly follow in his quest for a laugh. The union... Uh, the American Federation of Musicians, they told Joe, and, and Joe anticipated this, that he would have to pay each bass player for their time as uh, mandated in their contract. So a somewhat expensive practical joke dished out by violinist and practical joker Joe Venuti. I'm Jeff Bressler, and you're listening to the Make Believe Ballroom. Uh, let's see what we have to share next. How about a story of what I think was utter paranoia? This story comes out of a yellowed copy I possess of the Capitol Record News, the March 1947 edition, where L.A. disc jockeys were bent out of shape when legendary band leader Woody Herman guest-hosted the Al Jarvis KLAC music program. Uh, it's an interesting one and a, and a quick read, so I'm going to read this little piece to you. Al Jarvis, of course, uh, was the West Coast founder of the Make Believe Ballroom. And uh, here's what was written. The uh, title of the story, L.A. Jockeys Gang Up on Woody. The Under the headline is Unfair to Us, Herman is Told. And uh, here's the body of the story. Alarmed over what they term an invasion and encroachment upon our jobs, 20 prominent Los Angeles radio jockeys have organized and are setting up a plan which they hope will discourage band leaders from becoming disc whirlers and endangering their own vocation. The jockeys have been meeting every Tuesday night in Hollywood, and only two, the aforementioned Al Jarvis and Maurice Hart, are reported uncooperative. It all started in January when Woody Herman took over Jarvis's Saturday three-hour KLAC make-believe ballroom session. The other jocks, indignant that Herman would compete with them, agreed to ban the airing of Herman's records on their programs. Herman, however, continues on the KLAC make-believe ballroom program every Saturday, and Al Donahue, Tommy Dorsey, Bob Crosby, and other maestros are said to be seeking similar berths with independent stations in the L.A. area. 
The jockeys also are setting up a code of ethics which will prohibit free plugs and other quote-unquote abuses to which they are regularly subjected. Jarvis and Hart argued that a band leader has a perfect right to spin records if he chooses. Herman considers the whole thing a joke, but the jocks, including men like Bill Anson, Carl Bailey, Ted Lenz, and Peter Potter, are plenty hot under the cover. That from uh, Capitol Record News in 1947. A little bit of uh, jealousy there, Lenny, and I think a little bit of uh, paranoia. And, and today, these DJs would be literally rolling in their graves if they knew that artists like uh, Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen not only host uh, their own shows, but have their own stations on uh, outlets like uh, Sirius XM. Just a, a quick read for you, a fun story, some of that story involving uh, Al Jarvis the original L.A. founder of the Make Believe Ballroom. In just a minute, a look at a listener's email. But first, since uh, Woody Herman created this uh, paranoid feeding frenzy by L.A. jockeys, uh, let's go to the man himself. Woody Herman and his orchestra on Columbia Records, Apple Honey, recorded February the 26th, 1945. <laughs> Thank you. 
I'm Jeff Bressler, Lenny from down the block in the Crystal Studio record room. Uh, Norton is somewhere between here and his home getting ready for his annual garage sale. We don't know if he will make an appearance during the hour. I can always be reached at Jeff at MakeBelieveBallroomRadio.com. Jeff at MakeBelieveBallroomRadio.com. And speaking about being reached, a nice email I got a few days ago from a dynamic duo of Charles and uh, Jan Porcelli, who live in Fort Pierce, Florida. They wrote, uh, Jeff, we love to listen to the ballroom and all the music and stories. We were originally from Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and uh, currently live in Fort Pierce in sunny Florida. Friends in New York suggested we listen to the podcast of the show, uh, once we figured out exactly how to do that, haha, we listened intently to the show last week where you discussed that Ray Anthony is still alive at 100 years old. Our second uncle Lou, who passed several years ago, auditioned for the Bobby Byrne Band at Sailor's Lake in either 1942 or 1943. They told him they liked him but that he would have to wait until he was 16 and old enough to get working papers. Uncle Lou was also promised that when the band's singer went into the service, he would get the job. But by the time their singer did go into the service, Uncle Lou had made up his mind to enlist and did so when he was only 17. While in the service, Lou sang with the Ray Anthony Band, while he was in the army. Uncle Lou said that Ray wanted him to go with them on tour after the war, but Uncle Lou really didn't want to travel much past Pennsylvania. Keep up the good work, a quick story that we hope you found amusing. Charles and Jan Porcelli, great email. Thanks so much for sending it. Uh, Bobby Byrne, uh, who was mentioned in the email, uh, was a popular band leader. He played a great trombone. Uh, he later went on to enjoy, uh, for the majority of his time in the industry, much longer than he was a band leader, uh, he, he was a music executive. Uh, Bobby's orchestra was well regarded. And uh, I don't know why, but it never achieved the level of popularity, that probably, that it, it deserved. Uh, I think he got, uh, the best way to explain it is he got screwed by the war, uh, as well as the fading of the swing era when he returned from the service. So since Uncle Lou auditioned with Bobby Byrne at Sailor Lake in the Pennsylvania Poconos, uh, and I'm sure that uh, Sailor's Lake is lovely, but perhaps falls somewhat short of the beach at, say, Waikiki, to you, Charlie and Jan Porcelli, here is a nice swinging rendition of On the Beach at Waikiki. Bobby Byrne and his orchestra, Dorothy Clare takes the vocal, recorded in 
She gave him language lessons on the beach at Waikiki. As mentioned, each week we love to receive your emails. The email I just read from Charles and Jan uh, shows us that you enjoy the program and have taken the time to write, and in this case, share a wonderful reminiscence about both Bobby Byrne, your Uncle Lou, and uh, Ray Anthony and his orchestra. I can be reached at Jeff at MakeBelieveBallroomRadio.com, Jeff at MakeBelieveBallroomRadio.com, uh, and while we're plugging things, <laughs> Don't forget, you can listen to many of the past programs in this series by going to makebelieveballroompodcast.com, makebelieveballroompodcast.com. We are honored, and I don't know if I told you, Lenny, this past week we were actually number 54 in the Apple podcast survey for music history podcasts. Uh, Apple is the biggest podcast provider followed by Spotify, where we also rank uh, in the top, well, 100 in music history. But, of course, the radio, old-school terrestrial radio, uh, and our loyal public community and university affiliates is uh, why we produce this program in the first place. Uh, But back to podcasts for a second. Uh, With much more interest in contemporary music history of rock and roll, heavy metal, etc. I don't think we will ever score much higher, but we'll take the 54 this past week out of the thousands of uh, music history podcasts floating around the podcast world. 
So regular radio podcasts and also go to our Facebook page, Make Believe Ballroom, for some great videos, photos, and press clippings, as well as our podcasts on Facebook, Make Believe Ballroom, Make Believe Ballroom on Facebook. All right, enough promoting. Uh, Listen to this voice. Can you guess the artist on this Bluebird record recorded in 1938? You're gonna sing a blues song I wanna hear a new song, baby So you better change your tune It's gotta be real soon I'm in a mood that's lonely You're not the one and only, baby So you better change your tune Now's the time for true confession Let's not be afraid don't start into our boy Home the spade is spade You better change your tune You're gonna have to choose me Cause if you don't, you'll lose me, baby So you better change your tune Listen, my love, come to my arms Let all the bygones be Give me a kiss, lend me your ear I'll tell you quietly, mm, you better change your tune, you're gonna sing a blues song. Oh, you better change your tune, it's gonna be real soon, I'm in a mood that's lonely. Oh, you better change your tune. Now's the time for true confession Oh, let's not be afraid Don't start into our boy Call a spade a spade mm, You better change your tune You're gonna have to choose me Cause if you don't, you'll lose me, baby So you better change your tune You better change your tune You're gonna have to choose me Cause if you don't, you lose me, baby So you better change your tune That was You Better Change Your Tune, Rose Marie with Orchestra. Rose Marie was, um, she was a child star on NBC Radio. I think she began when she was like four or five years old. She was billed as Baby Rose Marie, Darling of the Airwaves. Uh, Rose Marie, if you are into old television, uh, became a comic fan of many on the old uh, Dick Van Dyke show where she played uh, comedy writer Sally Rogers. Uh, I enjoyed her. She was uh, sort of a regular also on Hollywood Squares. Oh, really? Lenny's telling me through the headset that he thinks she also was featured on a show with Doris Day. Not 100% sure of that one, Lenny, but I trust, uh, since you were a TV geek in your younger days, that uh, she was indeed on the Doris Day show. You know, Lenny, since we're discussing 
Rosemary and the Dick Van Dyke Show. Uh, during the next record, I want to discuss with you switching gears on the show here and uh, zeroing in on Maury Amsterdam. Maury Amsterdam, the comedian and wannabe songwriter. He played, uh, what was his name? Buddy Sorrell, who, along with uh, Dick Van Dyke, who played Rob Petrie on the show, and Sally Rogers, they comprised the writing team uh, for the fictional Alan Brady show that the series was uh, based around. In order to have that uh, quick discussion with you, Lenny, about Maury Amsterdam, in the meantime, uh, what do we have as a good Doris Day selection? Let's go back to Doris Day since you brought that up. Now we play Sentimental Journey a few times a year. Okay, that sounds good. Lenny has selected Sooner or Later, Les Brown and his orchestra, Doris Day Vocal, on Columbia, recorded August the 28th, 1946.
I had my uh, Maury Amsterdam discussion with Lenny during that song, but we are still putting components together. Uh, Should we wait until next week? Lenny says we're almost there. So let me see how we can utilize some time uh, to indeed see if we can discuss Maury Amsterdam. And let me look in the pile here. Okay, here's, uh, here's something that I think will interest you out in radio land. An event that I would like to talk about for a few minutes that you probably never heard about. And it really zeroes in on the jitterbug dance craze of the late 1930s. I mean, jitterbug was big. And there were massive jitterbug dancing competitions across the country. Uh, A big one in New York that had years of longevity was the annual Harvest Moon Ball. But this one I'm going to discuss was humongous. On August the 24th, 1938, a jitterbug dancing competition took place at Soldiers Field in Chicago, right on Lake Michigan. Soldiers Field, where the Chicago Bears football team plays. That event in 1938 was titled the Swing Jamboree, and it was held to pick the winner of the Midwest Swing Championship. The field for the Jitterbug Swing Dancing Competition started with 324 contestants and was whittled down to the top 50. Now, while there were 50 in the finals, uh, prior to the event, the New Century Committee, which sponsored things, they advertised in the media that any amateurs could also come to the dance and unofficially strut their stuff before the formal competition. And the advertisements also said that music for the night at Soldiers Field would be provided by Jimmy Dorsey, Earl Hines, Abe Lyman, and Frankie Masters. So probably without thinking out the logistics and with an invite to dance and some top bands performing, Get this, folks, over 200,000 Jitterbug and Swing fans jammed every inch of Soldier's Field, uh, creating, believe it or not, organized pandemonium. Uh, In reading about this event, there was no reports of injuries, fights, uh, stampedes, mayhem, etc. Additional policing were assigned to the event, and I guess they were able to keep the peace. So a good time was had by all, all except for the actual swing and jitterbug dancing 50 finalists for the Midwest Swing Championships. That's the reason the event was conceived and held in the first place. You see, the amateur, the unjudged informal amateur swing contest that was advertised and welcomed all got so out of hand organized pandemonium, though, kind of out of hand, that the judges could not gather or actually find (laughs) in the the fray the 50 real finalists to get together. And the judges decided at that point 
that the championship would have to be held some other night. Uh, no report on when that final was eventually held. So a great story, the Chicago Swing Jamboree. And playing that night, as I mentioned, was Frankie Masters, and justifiably so, since he and his band were a Midwest and Chicago area staple. Uh, as well, Frankie Masters also received a national acclaim and a played around the country. So why not listen to a Frankie Masters record? Here's an interesting one. It's titled The Merry Old Land of Oz. And what makes it interesting is that it was released for whatever reason, and, and I've tried to research this and can't find out why, uh, it was released prior to the actual theatrical release of the movie, The Wizard of Oz. Frankie Masters and his orchestra, vocals by both Frankie and his Masters Voices, recorded July 31st, 
but they had it going for sure. Band leader and drummer Clifford Boots Douglas and his buddies Ain't Misbehavin', Cora Woods Vocal, recorded in San Antonio, Texas, September the 17th, 1937. No one to walk with all by myself, no one to talk with, I'm happy on myself, ain't misbehaving, honey, saving my love for you. I know for certain the one love I'm through with frightening And it's you I'm thinking of Ain't misbehaving Saving all my love for you Night Jack Horner in the corner Don't go nowhere What do I care? Your kisses are worth waiting for, baby Please believe me Don't stay out late Don't care to go I'm home about eight Just me and my radio Ain't misbehaving Saving all my Jeff Bressler, and you're listening to the Make Believe Ballroom. Jeff at MakeBelieveBallroomRadio.com. Jeff at MakeBelieveBallroomRadio.com. For a nice selection of past programs, go to MakeBelieveBallroomPodcast.com, MakeBelieveBallroomPodcast.com. And for a lot of great video clips, pictures, and stories, along with a selection of past broadcasts, go to the Make Believe Ballroom page on Facebook. So, friends, kind of uh, spontaneously, we've put together the components needed to tell a story about Maury Amsterdam that is, I guess it's somewhat scandalous and shows that the powerful uh, find their way to the top uh, while the underdog has to settle for what's left. 
Lenny, before I tell the uh, story, Lenny, uh, before I tell the, uh, the story, he told me, and I asked him to tell me when I make mistakes, uh, Lenny let me know that while I was reading the story about the paranoid L.A. disc jockeys who got uh, bent out of shape because Woody Herman substituted for Al Jarvis during a few make-believe ballroom broadcasts in L.A. in the late 1940s, uh, Lenny told me, I said the DJs were hot under the covers instead of hot under their collars. Uh, while it can indeed be hot under the covers, if the room is warm, I meant under the collar. Uh, very annoying, <laughs> Lenny, when you inform me of these uh, faux pas, but thanks for letting me know. And I just want to remind you of the time we ate at that outstanding Italian restaurant in Little Italy. And uh, you were so enamored with the service that uh, you asked your wife, Cookie, to ask the wait person to send the matador over to thank him. I didn't say that night you meant maitre d'. Uh, I don't know the point to what I'm saying, but honestly, I meant collar. And uh, speaking of honesty, it's time to look at Maury Amsterdam, the comedian Maury Amsterdam, and one Rupert Westmore Grant. Rupert Grant was born in a small town in Trinidad, and some of his friends told him that in order to be an entertainer, uh, which he was, a Calypso entertainer, he needed to change his name to something more forceful to become very popular so at a friend's suggestion, he changed his name to Lord Invader, and it worked, and uh, he was noticed. Lord Invader had a, a distinctive gravelly voice. He wrote many calypsos in Trinidad. His most famous was a protest song he recorded during World War II. Uh, let's listen. It took Lenny a little while to find this one. You just might recognize the tune and the lyrics. And when the Yankees first went to Trinidad, some of the young girls were more than glad. They said that the Yankees treat them nice. And they give them a better price. They buy rum and Coca-Cola. When John Point from Nana, both mothers and daughters working for their Yankee The other day, but her mother came and took her away. Herself, her mother, and her sisters went in a cab with some soldiers. They bought rum and Coca-Cola. When drunk, point for Nana, both mothers and daughters working for their Yankee dollars. They have summer restores in Port of Spain. 
I know a lot, but I won't call name and in the day. They wouldn't give you a right, but you could see them with the foreigners late at night. Drinking rum and Coca-Cola, going down point Kumana, both mothers and daughters, working for their Yankee dollars. I know a couple who got married one afternoon. I was to go to Miami on their honeymoon. But the bride ran away with a soldier lad. And his stupid husband went staring mad. They bought rum and Coca-Cola. Going down point two nana. Both mothers and daughters. Working for their Yankee Wait a minute, wait a minute. It appears that Lord Invader invaded the charts of the Andrew sisters and uh, gave rum and Coca-Cola a whirl. Uh, As you know, rum and Coca-Cola was one of the Andrew sisters' biggest hits. Uh, It spent 10 weeks at the top of all the music charts in uh, 1946. And to make matters worse, uh, many of you might have heard somewhere along the way that Maury Amsterdam uh, actually wrote the lyrics to the song. So, Lord Invader recorded the song and uh, actually perhaps never even told Maury Amsterdam that uh, he was using his lyrics in the song. So, if you look at the copyright today for the song, you'll find three names listed as the writers of the song. Roman Coca-Cola, Paul Barron, uh, Jerry Sullivan, J-E-R-I Sullivan, and uh, Maury Amsterdam. Paul Barron is the guy who did the arrangement for the Andrew Sisters version of Roman Coca-Cola. Jerry Sullivan, she was the first performer of the song. And uh, Maury Amsterdam, well, Maury Amsterdam, he has an interesting history with the song. Let's go back to Maury Amsterdam during the early 1940s, which was at the beginning of his comedy career. And uh, he was performing for U.S. troops stationed in Trinidad during World War II. And it was while he was in Trinidad that uh, Amsterdam first heard the Lord Invader song, Rum and Coca-Cola. Well, Maury the Rat, (laughs) he came back to the United States at the end of 1943, and in early 1944, he met Jerry Sullivan, who was looking for a novelty song to sing. So Maury gave her Rum and Coca-Cola, And the two added some new lyrics to the song. I must say very few new lyrics, just a couple of sentences. But basically, the song was the same exact song that was sung by Lord Invader the previous year when Amsterdam first came to Trinidad. Now, when the Andrews sisters had their smash hit recording of Roman Coca-Cola... Amsterdam was soon a very rich man because he was listed as one of the writers of the song. Uh, 
Now, the public, who are no fools, were interested in uh, how a comedian had written such a hit song, and uh, Amsterdam eventually was pretty upfront about the fact that he had, uh, I think he had said, quote-unquote, he'd picked up the song while in Trinidad. Eventually, though, when rum and Coca-Cola became a major hit with the Andrew sisters, legal representatives for Lord Invader took issue with Amsterdam's position, and they sued him for copyright infringement in late 1946. Now, after over a month of trial, where Amsterdam, the weasel, (laughs) continued to plead that it was all just a striking coincidence, uh, Maury actually lost the suit. However, as part of the uh, larger judgment against Amsterdam, somehow Amsterdam's lawyers arranged it so that he would acquire the copyright to the song. So, to this very day, Amsterdam is still listed as one of three writers on Rum and Coca-Cola. Now, during the copyright trial, uh, Lord Invader was stuck in New York City for that month and uh, actually started to perform Calypso in some New York clubs, and he was very well received. So, Maury Amsterdam, shame on you. As a comedian, I'm sure you would have been not too happy if, say, someone stole your jokes. Uh, You became wealthy on the back of a Calypso singer from Trinidad, who, and there is a happy ending, uh, fortunately was able to go on to lead a good life as a club owner and singer back in his native Trinidad. Lord Invader uh, recorded in his native Trinidad and New York and London over the years, and eventually he settled uh, later in his life in New York City. So, the story, the true story of rum and Coca-Cola and Lord Invader and Maury the Rat Amsterdam. And Rats, by adding the Maury Amsterdam, Lord Invader story, we've run out of time. Uh, Gerald Cole, my friend out of Rochester, I wanted to tell your Billy Holiday story that you put together for me. Uh, I promise I'll do that next week, as well as cover some of the material we did not have the chance to discuss today. Rum and Coca-Cola, Andrew Sisters, as we go out, on behalf of Lenny from down the block and Norton, wherever you are, this has been Jeff Bressler. See you next week. They got the young girls all going mad Young girls say they treat them nice Make Trinidad like paradise Drinking rum and Coca-Cola Go down Point Kumana Both mother and daughter Working for the Yankee dollar Oh, you vex me, you vex me From Chick-a-Chick to Mona's Isle, native girls all dance and smile, help soldiers celebrate his leave, make every day like New Year's Eve, drinking rum and Coca-Cola, 
It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.